2015. Our Game of the Week coverage is at 7 o'clock on Friday night, and it'll feature the Michigan volleyball team. And as well on Saturday, we're live at the Big House for Michigan and Notre Dame, where somebody has to win 0-2 Michigan <laughs> against 0-2 Notre Dame. So no music to lead us out. We invite you to continue listening to 88.3 WCBN as we say good night, go blow, and hello, Les Miles. even part of the station? We got dead air. Uh, dead air, okay. Hello, good evening, and thanks for staying tuned to WCBN-FM in Ann Arbor. Stay tuned for the Gray Matters program coming up in moments. My name is Jim Dwyer. And I'm uh, Dick Whaley with, uh, here with another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. Yes, indeedy. We had to do a little bit of uh, open field running here. Uh, open sign-up is still uh, underway here at WCBN, FM Ann Arbor, and uh, the new schedule that comes out later tonight. In any event, we'll just give out a quick brain damage award to Lloyd Carr. <laughs> I'm not part of the dump Lloyd Carr movement, but uh, if you're down by 25 points, you're down by three scores plus one point. At the end of the first half, I know the crowd would have booed, but he should have kicked the field goal to cut it to three scores. This is, once again, a failure of math that uh, football coaches and their errors never cease to amaze me. We'll see what happens this week with Notre Dame, but let's remember we're 0-0 zero and zero in the Big Ten. The world is not coming to an end. The rest of the world has real problems. Michigan may have some football problems. We don't know yet, but uh, hey, let's, uh, let's get some perspective on things here. Yeah, indeed. Uh, it's important to remember that we enjoy the luxury of... Uh, professional amateur athletics uh, in this country, and I'm speaking both realistically about professional and amateur, and of course professional amateurs, which essentially is what college sports is all about. It's it's a luxury entertainment uh, for us here in the free world, so to speak, and uh, as a big-time hockey fan, you know, do I want the Red Wings to win the Stanley Cup every year? Well, of course I do, and I'll root for them every step of the way, but... 
when they don't make it, a good fan doesn't boo his team. Uh, the, the, no. the booing that goes on at games like uh, occurred in town last weekend really is, is I think, a deplorable behavior. Well, and it's sad to see a bunch of people booing Chad Henney. They're the people that are rooting yeah. for the backup quarterback to come in, and he came in, and he played like a freshman. Obviously, it's a tough situation for the young man, uh, and he's going to start this weekend, so we'll see. Uh, he's got an, he's got a great arm. You can tell he's got a great future, but uh, just doesn't have that experience under the belt. And uh, hmm. we'll stand down as they stand up. <laughs> Yeah, two last items on this, because so much ink has been spilled on it in the local press here uh, that it's really quite amazing. Uh, Of course, two losses in a row, but before this Saturday's game, the Ann Arbor News actually had the audacity to run on their Friday opinion page this article. Fans should put U of M loss in perspective. Well, you know, that sounds like it should have been an inter-office memo to the people in the sports department Mm -hmm. of the Ann Arbor News because they milked the fan reaction to the game all week. Sure. Wednesday, there was an article about the loss, the pain of the loss lingers. It's Wednesday. (laughs) You should be thinking about the next game rather than, you know, retrospectively uh, talk about Monday morning quarterbacking. This is Wednesday afternoon quarterbacking, people. Indeed. And, uh... Fairly ridiculous. And one last uh, item of just bizarro. uh, Are you ready to move out of Ann Arbor? (laughs) No, I love Ann Arbor. I'm even willing to put up with the ridiculousness of uh, go blue mania. But uh, if I can find this clip here. Uh, Well, let's just remember that many pro football teams lose their first two games and make the playoffs. Indeed, there are probably some teams that have gone on to win the Super Bowl. The last time Michigan went 0 and 2, they ended up 10 and 3. So, yeah. Football is, uh, is is about making adjustments. Game 1, uh Michigan could have should have won the game, uh but they didn't. Game 2, they were just simply outplayed with the spread offense. And guess what? We're not dealing with any more spread offenses at least for a while. We're back to the Big 10, we're back to the Midwest football, 3 yards in a cloud of dust so to speak. <laughs> Uh, pro sets and uh, Michigan historically has had trouble with scrambling African American quarterbacks that are great athletes. Uh, needless to say, by the way, uh, very few of these quote great athletes end up making it in the NFL because, uh, my goodness, the linebackers in the NFL that weigh 275 <laughs> can run as Crushing. fast as them. Yeah, and uh, the goal in the NFL is to knock the quarterback out of the game. So, uh, Let's gain some perspective here, folks. Yeah. And here's my one last item. Uh, Nathan Fenno, writing in Sunday's Ann Arbor News, uh, writes that it felt like a funeral, interrupted only by roars from hundreds of Oregon uh, Oregon's contingent whenever one of their players emerged from the locker rooms. A few feet away, a small group of Michigan supporters watched the scene and didn't move. Neither did their stunned looks. You'd think there'd been a murder uh, occurring. Uh, they wore maize and blue T-shirts that read, quote, We're not arrogant. We're just better than you. <laughs> this is called hubris, people. And uh, <laughs> you walk around with a shirt like that on and you lose. You might want to reconsider the shirt. Well, especially when your football coach does not understand the difference between uh, four scores and three scores, particularly when you're down significantly uh, in the uh, first half. 
Uh, that's just, uh, well, basic algebra, and uh, it's an inexcusable mistake, and incidentally, we, we wouldn't have lost uh, <laughs> 39 to 7. We would have lost 39 to 10. At least we would have scored in double figures, baby. Right, and sometimes a score like early in the game, in the middle of the game, like that, can be a motivator, and you know, yeah. be the trigger for a leaves comeback. you leaves you with a positive feeling going into halftime. But undoubtedly, the crowd would have booed, and uh, yeah, Lloyd enough, Carr was, enough. Yeah, he was <laughs> bamboozled. Um, just a real quick uh, comment about the Bin Laden video. Sure. Hmm. Real interesting. Um, was that written by a uh, a right wing CIA officer? Bin Laden has a video that comes out, mentions Chomsky, talks about global warming, talks about capitalism, talks about every, uh, virtually every subject uh, that many on the left bring up, and there just seems to be a very interesting um, sort of intellectual connection between what Osama Bin Laden was uh, ranting and railing about on the video uh, with his newly found black beard, <laughs> the ghost of black beard. <laughs> The Woody Allen beard. Right, yeah. from bananas. Yeah. From bananas, I don't know. Or uh, think of those beards in uh, that Groucho Marx, uh, the Marx Brothers movies. Oh, the Smith Brothers, yeah. Yeah. The. Uh, yeah, um, who knows? Uh, obviously. Well, your, your point is a good one about the... You know the notes that were struck in the uh, in the message from Bin Laden because the papers are all saying, "Oh, you know, U.S. officials believe that this was written by a 28-year-old American, you know, wanted for his Al Qaeda affiliation. Apparently, Adam Gadan uh, may have written at least part of this speech, but it does seem as though mm -hmm. uh, efforts have been made to link a number of uh, popular left-wing." positions mm -hmm. to bin laden yeah and and it was fascinating to watch all of the analysis in the mainstream media they all said well the message is completely incoherent he's rambling all over the place they basically took everything and anything he said and uh made generalizations about uh those aspects of it um bin laden of course seems to conveniently surface uh whenever the bush administration is in the midst of Yet another project to sell the war to the public. Uh, this, of course, is continuing this week. We've seen all sorts of uh, examples of cooking the books, uh, spinning, spinning the you know inaccurate information just right and left. Uh, just three weeks ago, the uh, the military reported that 78 percent of the attacks on Americans are, are perpetrated by Shiites. Yet we still hear about Al Qaeda in Iraq. How this is at the forefront against the war on terror, the global war on terror, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then, uh, well, I'm just going to quickly also give a brain damage award out to MoveOn.org. Not that the advertisement in the New York Times is uh, that offensive, but uh, that little wordplay on Petraeus and Betraeus was used by Keith Olbermann several weeks ago when he was talking not about... Um, General Petraeus, the individual, he was talking about the, the, the subject of whether or not the White House was going to write the report. Hmm. Uh, and I think that Petraeus, <laughs> Petraeus put that to rest. Um, I think that what it's done is, of course, it's distracted the public from the real issues in the debate. Uh, and that's unfortunate uh, because I noticed that a lot of the news shows today were, were talking more about the MoveOn.org ad in the New York Times. I guess it's in today's New York Times. I missed it. But... Um, 
not you know the the, the real um, substance of the actual debate about uh, what's going on. And we should also remember that the surge, quote unquote, has not been so much of a surge as really a stop loss policy instigated by the Pentagon. It's basically extending the tours of duties of a lot of actual troops. And it's concentrated the locales in which they are employed to a much smaller area. And there's been plenty of ample evidence that, uh, you know, there are mixed uh, results in terms of what's really going on on the ground, which is where the fundamental um, discussion should really focus itself. Uh, Just a quick uh, concept or factual um, example of what's been going on on the ground with respect to the American military. Um, Last, and this is is actually the one-year anniversary of, or actually, this is from uh, the 16th of September last year. And these are the updates that the New York Times gives on the number of American dead. The, Defar- the Department of Defense has identified 26 665 American service members who've died since the start of the Iraq War. Well, today's update, and this is the New York Times total rather than uh, another figure, is three. 1,741. So you can see that in the course of a year, we've lost almost 1,100 more soldiers. That's pretty frightening. That gives you a relative rate of of, of how many we're losing a month. Some months it's over 100, some months it's less than 100. But the point is, the, the, the progress on the ground is, is mixed, to say the least. And the idea that we're somehow uh, achieving political progress is uh, just simply a myth. Well, I'm not sure if these, you know, supersede Vietnam-era numbers of uh, monthly or quarterly losses or whatever, but they have to be very close. Well, I looked that up sort of. The, the problem with the Vietnam War is, is pinpointing when the war, quote, started. Um, I always like to say that it really started um, in February of 1965. That's when the serious... Uh, Operation Rolling Thunder got going, even when John Kennedy had been murdered in uh, 1963, less than 100 Americans had died in Indochina, uh, dating back, incidentally, to 1945. Right. So this really gets back to the issue of, is this a long war? Uh, Are there going to be phased withdrawals or redeployments? And the idea that we're going to move around a couple of thousand troops to somehow placate the American public uh, with respect to... uh, uh, you know, what, what our overall strategy is, I think, is, is really sort of a, a mirage. Uh, the fundamentals are that the Bush administration will be in Iraq until uh, they're out of office. Uh, the Democrats just simply don't have the votes in the, uh, in, in, in the Senate to really uh, prevent this from happening. And there will be some window dressing, as the saying goes, uh, with respect to a withdrawal of uh, troops. But I think uh, one of the things over the weekend that I find most astonishing, uh, you know, there are many interesting things that developed last week, including uh, Paul Bremer uh, pretty much uh, (laughs) uh, trying to uh, prevent being uh, labeled, you know, sort of, he's not going to take the the fall Mm -hmm. uh, for the Bush administration's uh, war uh, in Iraq. It's time to find a new one, after all. Yeah, a new scapegoat. And, of course, apparently there's an interview uh, in the 
GQ with uh, Colin Powell and Donald Rumsfeld that has some interesting comments. Mm. But I think one of the scariest things, and this is uh, related to a poll that was taken uh, recently by the New York Times, CBS, uh, that's in today's uh, New York Times, is this amazing number. It said that 6 in 10 Americans said in the poll that the administration officials deliberately misled the public in making the case for war. 33% of all Americans, which apparently is the remainder, <laughs> including 40% of Republicans and 27% of Democrats, say Saddam Hussein was personally involved in the attacks on 9-11. This is absolutely unfathomable to me. That uh, it's been repeatedly demonstrated. You know, the six-year anniversary is coming right. up tomorrow. Yeah, uh, Bush will milk that for all it's worth, and we'll hear more uh, big speeches. He's given a speech later in the week about how we have to attain victory. Uh, this is remarkable that forty uh, percent of all Republicans can continue to believe this lie, and uh, when we have th this sort of I don't know, failure to <laughs> look at reality in the eye. Uh, you talk about wacky conspiracy theories and disinformation, which, of course, is what exactly what the bin Laden video is all about. That's scary. Well, it, it almost reminds of uh, the recent headline in the Onion uh, joke comedy satire newspaper that says that the Bush administration wants to hang Saddam Hussein again because they wasted a good public relations opportunity and want to see it done right this time. Well, Bush's advisors uh, are saying exactly what he wanted to hear. Anyway, stay the course. Stay the course. Stay the course. And it's uh, rather disheartening to hear Senate Republican uh, leader Mitch McConnell use uh, the following language in his insistence that uh, the U.S. maintain a long-term presence in the Middle East. Um, despite all the legitimate reasons that can be argued to the counter. He says, uh, I hope that this reaction to Iraq and the highly politicized nature of dealing with Iraq this year, meaning election uh, year, uh, doesn't end up in a situation where we just bring all the troops back home and thereby expose us once again to the kind of attacks we've had here in the homeland <laughs> or on American facilities. Now, there have been some studies done into the increasing use of the word homeland mm -hmm. by right-wing politicians and, you know, ideologues on the radio and so forth. Homeland is never really a word that's been associated with America or with American politics. Home of the free, land of the brave, it may be, but homeland, fatherland, you know, this, this veers into the, the linguistic territory of fascism. Yeah, and it's interesting that, of course, uh, the two totalitarian, totalitarian regimes of the 20th century, the Soviet Union and uh, Nazi Germany, both had, quote, wars on terror. So even the phrase war on terror is disturbing. Yep. But Americans don't realize the uh, problems with that phrase uh, that is, of course, a propaganda phrase uh, developed by the Bush administration. Incidentally, for the record, by the way, from a recent book that I... Uh, got, you know, read in the last couple of weeks um, regarding, the, the you know, the, the 
repeated falsehoods of, of uttered by the Bush administration. The book, The Best War Ever, Lies, Damn Lies, and the Mess in Iraq by Sheldon Rampton and John uh, Stauber um, indicates that Henry Waxman, uh, who of course is uh, an important official in the uh, Democratic Party with respect to government services, he's the chair of that committee, he has compiled an online database called Iraq on the Record, which lists 237 statements by Bush, Cheney, Rice, Powell, or Rumsfeld, which were false in light of intelligence reports known to the White House at the time the statements were made. This book was published a year ago, and obviously the number of falsehoods uh, that, have, that have been uttered by uh, Rice... Um, Bush and Cheney um, well, just keeps big, going up. Big difference between speaking off the cuff, not having the facts in front of you, and knowing full well the facts but misrepresenting them anyway. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's inadvertent mistakes. Sure, it's wonderful when George Bush is uh, is in Australia at the APEC uh, Economic Summit, um, sort of uh, on the stump speech, trying to support John Howard, who looks like he's going to go down in defeat in the upcoming elections there in Australia uh, later in the month. Uh, he's in trouble. Uh, he's behind in the polls. And needless to say, the Australian public wants the Australian government to get out of Iraq. The Labor uh, Party candidate in that particular election has promised that they will get out of Iraq, and he appears to be on the way to victory. And yet George Bush can thank the Austrians for helping us uh, in the war on terror. Those sorts of gaffes, while amusing... <laughs> and they are amusing. And they are, they are amusing. But it makes you wonder about the significance of that Freudian slip. The Austrians? <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger? Anschluss. The... Uh, Watch loss. The Sud you know. Yeah, let's annex the Sudetenland. Uh let's do that next. Uh it's remarkable. Yeah. But not surprising. Well, also remarkable is this photo from the Ann Arbor News of a teacher with her uh looks like first or second grade uh students out uh in St. Clair Shores here, I think. Uh Watching as a funeral procession for a U.S. Army sergeant uh, killed in Iraq goes by. The teacher happens to be pregnant and bizarrely is holding up a sign as her students look on with signs that she's obviously made for them. The handwriting matches. Uh, and, you know, students should participate in this sort of thing. I think that's a good thing for students to see the uh, funeral procession of uh a dead soldier who's given his life in service uh, to some cause. But the teacher's sign I find rather troubling. She's pregnant. She's holding a sign that says, I hope my baby will be a hero like you someday. Wow. That sounds like war as abortion. You know, uh, I would hope, uh, ma'am, that your child would never have to go to war. And if your child did have to give its life in a war, that it would be a defensive war rather than a uh, colonial sort of corporate occupation like we've got going. 
Uh, of course, it's heroic to surrender your life for a cause bigger than yourself, but to quote uh, Clint Eastwood's character in The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, what a damn shame. I've never seen so many perfectly good men wasted for no reason at all. And indeed, they have been wasted for no reason at all. Uh, just real quickly, an, a, a, a thing on the Petraeus business and the uh, use of the word betray us. I think it is important, and uh, yesterday's New York Times notes this, that General Petraeus, in, their, in their, one of their editorials, their unsigned editorials, um, and this is basically entitled Hiding Behind the General, uh, they write that Mr. Bush once again cannot subcontract his responsibility. This is his war. If you go back and you check the facts on the so-called congressional resolution, it is a Republican war. General Betraeus, or Petraeus, I'm starting to have problems with that myself, <laughs> has his own credibility problems. He overstepped in 2004 when he published an op-ed article in the Washington Post six weeks before the election. Um, the general, then in charge of training and equipping Iraqi security forces, rhapsodized about, quote, tangible progress, unquote, and how the Iraqi forces were, quote, developing steadily, an assessment that may have swayed some voters, but has long since been proven to be untrue, proven to be untrue. And, of course, we've seen more examples of this this week. Uh, recently, the White House uh, issued a report talking about the progress regarding benchmarks, and they made some astonishing claims a couple of months ago. And it now, of course, emerges that, um, that the GAO has a very different perspective on that. Um, and, and this is one example. Uh, we can get to the GAO report in a second. Another example, the phrase, 12, the Iraqi security forces will be ready in 12 to 18 months. Have you heard that before? I think I've heard that for the last four years. The 12 to 18 months report, which, uh, you know, widely circulated in the media last week, is sort of like the number three man in Al-Qaeda. We keep <laughs> capturing him. When are the Iraqi security force is going to be ready to, quote, stand up as we stand down. Uh, it's fa in fact, it's just the opposite. And, of course, uh, Frank Rich's uh, editorial has it perfectly, uh, and when we joked, we've joked about this for, for years, as the Iraqis stand down, we'll stand up. That's what's going on. Indeed. And, of course, needless to say, that's, those are the facts. So it's cherry-picking, and we use that word again. Uh, this, of course, was used in reference to the uh, misuse, abuse, and outright falsification of uh, intelligence, quote-unquote, uh, about weapons of mass destruction uh, that we know the White House is now guilty of uh, exploiting. Um, and this is being used uh, in, in reference to the security situation on the ground. Ch uh, Crocker um, and uh, Petraeus are going to testify this week. Um, 
I think that both of these are pretty honorable men. They're, you know, Crocker is actually a professional diplomat. He's fluent in Arabic, and uh, in comparison to Paul uh, Paul Bremer, uh, a much better indeed, that's for sure um, uh, envoy, so to speak. But uh, the bigger questions about the real facts of the policy need to be analyzed here. Can the United States continue to spend $10 billion a month in Iraq, and for how long? What are the real objectives of the American military in Iraq? Are we, in fact, obscuring the long war, quote-unquote, debate that's been uh, rambling on in the Pentagon these many years? Uh, There are many advocates uh, in our military-industrial complex, by the way, that want to see us stay in Iraq for a generation, these include Condoleezza Rice, uh, apparently Mitch McConnell, and uh, virtually all of the Republican candidates for president, uh, with the exception of Ron Paul. Um, I thought it was interesting, by the way, how the media took the Ron Paul-Mike Huckabee exchange last week and used that for four days to show that, boy, Mike Huckabee took Ron Paul to the woodshed on that exchange. I didn't find it that way at all. Ron Paul was the one that was standing up for reality. Um, We're living in fantasy land here. Uh, And the real debate that needs to occur in America right now, uh, because I think this, uh, you know, how many thousands of troops we withdraw, quote unquote, or redeploy, uh, is is sort of a minor issue at this point. It's quite clear that the American military, real professionals, do want to get out of Iraq. They see uh, Iraq as uh, draining their long-term global goals. Uh, they're concerned about recruitment. Um, so there's a genuine debate occurring in the Pentagon. But what really needs to be discussed uh, this week and in upcoming weeks is not this sort of uh, withdrawal um, Troopus interruptus. <laughs> um, to use a strange Levian metaphor. Yes. Or we have a wide stance there. <laughs> I'm not gay. <laughs> okay, dude. And now you're not resigning either, apparently. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, boy. No, the real debate needs to be pain for the war. When are the Republican Party, when is the Republican Party that's so enthusiastic about this uh, occupation of Iraq in which uh, progress is being made? What was the phrase that Petraeus used exactly in that op-ed piece? Um, Tangible progress. And that the Iraqi forces are developing steadily. Uh, That's not what... (laughs) The actual reports say uh, there is marginal. That's a, that's a gloss. Marginal progress. There's progress on the peripheries here and there. You know, Bush goes to Anbar and has a press conference. Spaz visit on his way to Austria. Oh, wait a minute. I mean Australia. <laughs> okay, they're uh, they're two different countries. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that that's pretty scary. The question is, when are the Republicans going to pay for this war? When is Ari Fleischer, that's operating a, uh, some organization that I don't have the name of on, on hand, you know, spending $15 million to run ads in uh, various congressional districts, when is he going to pay the $400 billion that this war has cost already? 
the hundreds of thousands of Iraqis that are dead, the four million refugees, to say that progress is being made or tangible progress, um, <laughs> this is remarkable. War is peace. Yeah. yeah. Ignorance is bliss. Ignorance is the Republican Party agenda. We're just about out of time here today on 